Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one of a kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello and welcome to another edition of your favourite podcast, Insane in the Membrane. Insane in the Membrane. Hello everybody. Uh, welcome back. I hope you're well. You join me uh, as I record this uh, via Zoom with producer Paul. We are. I'm, I'm in my flat in Brighton, and producer Paul is in in the studio in Tunbridge Wells. Um, but uh, it's that's what we do sometimes. Just because I've got I've got to do a gig later on, so it just makes sense. To, it's in Brighton, so it makes sense to stay in Brighton, so I don't have to fanny around with the bus because my car, the car, has decided. Of course, it's decided when we haven't got a lot of money. It's decided to, to shit the bed, and uh, so that's that's in a garage somewhere, feeling sorry for itself as we figure out what's wrong with it, and then we have to smash the smash the piggy bank open. Uh, it's always when you it's always when you haven't got any money. In it. It's never when you're loaded. It's never when you're like this is nice. It's always you ain't got any money. Oh, by the way, the washing machine's just fallen out the out the door. You know, it's it's how do appliances know? How do they know? They just know, don't they? Scumbags. Um, so anyway, that's what I'm doing. Um, yeah, so you're good. Uh, thanks for your continued support. Really appreciate it. Thank you to our wonderful patrons, as usual, for keeping us going. You are a wonderful bunch of people. Appreciate that. Um, and my mate, Harry, who messaged me the other day. Good one, Harry. Thank you for your lovely messages, mate, uh, via Instagram there. That was, was really lovely, mate, honestly. Genuinely, and I said like, when I met you at Christmas at Comedia, a real thank you, mate. You've said some lovely things, and it's nice that the podcast has, has helped you out in some way. And I think this is why we do this. I just want people to know again that they're not on their own. We are trying to help everybody, you know. And, and so we're talking to people from various backgrounds that have been through various things, you know, and, and for good and bad. And we we just want to help. That's why we do this. So thank you. For your for listening and to everyone like Harry, who you know just you know I've got something from it. That's why we do it. So I appreciate that. Nice one. Um, and thank you, yeah, thank you to everyone for your lovely messages. It really means a lot, you know, Danny, Danny Phillips. Again, we're going to get Danny on. I keep having a chat with him. So Danny, if you're listening, we're going to get you on. All right. So we'll have a, we'll send you some dates and we will sort that out, mate. Um, nice one, everybody. Just, let's get on with it. Let's get on with the episode so I'm getting all sentimental in my old age now I'm 51 turned 51 a little while ago man I didn't think I remember years ago I was stood in my bedroom I was in Catering where I was living looking out the window of this wonderful lush green valley where I was living and going oh do you know what in 15 years I'll be 50 and now I'm 51 bananas that has gone so fast anyway let's go on with the episode I'm rattling on again so this week I was joined by uh, Francesca Barker Mills. Now, 
Um, I became aware of Francesco through Erwin um, James. I became aware of Erwin James through the documentary uh, Barbaric Genius, which is the docu- documentary about um, the author John Healy. Um, I've, I've spoken about John Healy before on here. One of the finest books I've ever read. It is touted as one of the finest books that's ever been written is The Grass Arena. I urge you to have a read of it. It's it's it documents what it's like to actually be living on the streets in such graphic detail. It's a brutal book. But it really shone a light on what it actually means to be homeless and what you go through. You know, when you're dealing with addiction and things like that. It's a brutal book. And so in the documentary, Erwin James was mentioned, he'd become a friend of John Healy and they'd begin, and so I, was, I thought, well, who's this Erwin James? So I googled Erwin James, saw his story, I was like, wow, that's fascinating. And then um, he liked a tweet online, on, on Twitter uh, by Francesca, and I was fascinated to it, I was like, oh, okay, that's interesting, so I had a look to see who Francesca was. And I was like, okay, there's, there's someone I want to have a talk to. So I dropped her a line. I said, like, do you fancy coming on having a chat? And she did. Now, you know, the conversation is, you know, we, it's a very honest conversation, as a lot of them are on, in, well, they all are on Insane and Membrane. Some are more, uh, more in-depth than others. And this one, we talked about what Francesca had, had been through. She'd been, she'd been to prison and she'd done something that she wasn't proud of. And I won't go into it now, but, you know, if you, you can Google it afterwards and see, you know, I think and we talk about redemption in the episode we also you know we talk about all manner of things and why people end up in prison um we there is a mention of people going to prison for not paying their tv license i just like to clarify it's not actually because you haven't paid your tv license it's because you haven't paid the fine a lot of people have banged up for that which is absurd a lot of people have banged up for not paying fines and it's like that's that's a ridiculous extremity like you haven't paid a fine they should, maybe they couldn't afford the fine maybe you can afford the tv license in the first place that's that's something that needs to be addressed and that's why that comes up that comes up in the episode so don't panic if you haven't paid your TV license don't be panicking thinking oh my god I'm going to go to prison you're not going to go to prison but if you get if they find out and you get fined you might you're going to get in trouble so be aware anyway we talk about that in the episode we talk about oh, you know, are people can people find redemption after after being after being a bit shit and we talk about that and I talk about what I what I did and how I ended up in trouble and so I think it's important to talk about these things, you know. I wasn't proud of, I'm not proud of what I did, but I explained in the episode why I did it and where I'm at now, and that's why the podcast exists. So, you know, that's why we do it, that's why we're here, that's why we're having these conversations. So, let's get on with it, shall we? Coming up in a minute is Francesca Barker-Mills. Hold up, what was that? Boring, no flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. 
My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. A podcast from producer paul.co.uk. Insane in the membrane. Francesca, how are you doing? All right. I'm good. I'm good. Yes, this is a, a change of pace for me on a Thursday morning. So no, thanks for having me. Ah, it's our pleasure. Thanks very much for coming on. Um, it's a nice informal chat. It's just like two people having a chat in a pub. It's not, you know, it's not Paxman. <laughs> so don't don't worry about anything. It's all good. Cool. It's just a nice chat. Um, yeah, it's um, it's it's. You know what? I first, so I watched. Uh, I think it's called. Barbaric Genius. It was the John Healy documentary. And I, saw, and I watched that. And then and watching that, and then I got the book, The Grass Arena. And I just finished reading that, which blew my mind. But through that, then I was he mentioned Erwin James. And I was like, who's who's Erwin James? And I was Googling, went down this rabbit hole of you know who who Erwin James was, who Erwin James was, and fascinating dude. So I followed him on Twitter. And then I saw that he'd and then that morning he'd liked your tweet and I'm like oh well that's interesting and I thought let's have a look and then I went you know that's you know that and I found it fascinating that that the talk of sex work and but from the point of view of someone that didn't want to be doing it because there's a lot of talk of people that do and that's I've had conversations with people like that but to be forced into it so I was like fascinated like how you would even begin to get into that kind of trouble but I mean we'll start off with a nice easy we're not going to go straight into that. Is it this this easing? So you're Manchester. I am Manchester. Yes, yeah, I don't yeah, sound yeah. like it, but I am. Is that where you're from originally? Uh, yes, I suppose I was born in London, but no, raised in Manchester. So yeah, right. Yeah. Okay, I've got a lot of love for Manchester. I think it's a great place. I'm proud to be from London, but I feel I feel that London gets. I think London gets built up a little bit. It's like the city that never sleeps. You know, yeah, it does. It's at City Eleven. <laughs> Whereas Manchester, there's always a corner you can slope off to. There's always something you can do, you know? Definitely. No, it's a beautiful place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, as I see, you do a lot of stuff for um, uh, you do Inside Time, mm-hmm. which is, a, which is a, what is that? Is it a newspaper for people in prison? Exactly that, yes. Um, yeah. So, you know, you mentioned Erwin James and mm. he found me on Twitter, got in touch and asked if he could publish one of my pieces in Inside Time. And we got talking because we have things in common. Um, and obviously his writing is a beautiful thing to mm. take note of. Um, and that's how you came across me. But um, yes, Inside Time has been amazing to now be writing for it as opposed to reading it in my cell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's, there is this, I've been reading a lot about this lately and and having been in trouble myself, I never, I never went to prison, but there was talk of it, and I, and I, it was the first time I've really been in sort of serious trouble. And there is and that reading about Erwin James and then your story as well. That and about a lot of people, a lot of people commit crimes that it, it's not because they're shitty people. It's like you're you're pushed into a you just make bad decisions and there's something that pushes you to make those decisions, you know, but it doesn't mean that you're a shit person. And, 
and there is that talk of are you uh, can you be redeemed after what you've done you know and i think that's really important it is the million dollar question yes i think we're often brought up and mass media tells us that we've got good or bad people we've not just got people who make good and bad choices definitely um you know it's something that i've had a lot of time to reflect on whether or not i am an absolute arsehole or whether or not i am a mm. rehabilitated person um but you know in terms of redemption rehabilitation recovery for me it's just wake up and do the best that i can and try not to make the same mistakes i have in the past and that's the best i can hope for yeah i think that's it isn't it it's that there's an assumption that you did what you did and you don't give a shit you kind of like you're labelled as that person forever and you're just like, you must like, you know, we won't go into details of what, what you did. And if people want to find out, they can find out it's readily available. <laughs> oh, it yeah. is. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, that was it. Cause when, so I got you, I, know, I wanted you to come on. Of course I look into people and so I know a bit about them mm. and seeing what you've done. I mean, you must, you must feel remorse for what you did. It's not just a case of like, Oh yeah, fuck you. I did that. And I don't give a shit. It's, it is. It's one of the greatest misconceptions about my crime and about crime in general is that, you know, there is a narcissistic quality where you don't have empathy and you don't have remorse and you, you don't feel sorry for what you did. I do. And, you know, people say mm. to me, if you could go back in time, would you change it? 110%. I would never have made those choices. On the flip side, those choices have led me to where I am. Um, you know, it was a long time ago. It was 2016 when I made the choices I did. It came back to bite me in 2020. Um, a lot has changed since then. I've changed, you know, I've gone through my recovery. I've changed every aspect of who I am uh, to be better. Um, but as you say, you know, it's readily available and it's a difficult thing to overcome to sit and talk to you as Francesca Barker Mills. And, you know, I am the Barker faker or whatever the press had to mm. say. Um, it was the hardest part about coming home from prison was having to sit down and see all of that for the first time. It was yeah, right. a lot <laughs> yeah, um, because yeah. I have, as, as often is the case, I had no control over that narrative. It was, you know, it was printed, it was gone. And I was behind bars before I even had chance to get my, my side across, I suppose. But once you're sentenced, your side doesn't matter. No. And then you're, yeah, and then that's it. Now you're just that person and yep. who's, you know, whatever you did, and then you have to deal with that when you come out and face, did you have to face the people that? It's, it's kind of an ongoing thing, really. Um, I suppose that's what, why am I campaigning about stop sending women to prison? And, you know, what is justice if it's, it's nothing more than vengeance and a kind of accountability. Um, our justice system in this country is very much a vengeful concept sometimes as opposed to proportionality. Um, in my case, definitely the people involved in my case are still hurting and that's to mm. be expected even so many years after the fact. Um, I suppose it's something that we all have to adjust to. You know, mm. I've gone to prison i've served my time i'm on license i'm soon to be a free woman and that's just something that we all have to take as part of the journey definitely and you know mm. one day hopefully they will feel healed from you know what happened but um that's not within my power anymore no it's not, i know what you mean it's that you can you can say sorry all you what you want and absolutely and having having you know i've not been a perfect man and you know i've upset people in my time and there are people that still, they are still, they go, no, you, I, you know, I loved you and you treated me like shit and you go, yeah, I know, but, and I'm sorry and I'll never, I'll never get over it. I'll never, I will never 
there's not in, there's nothing in the world that ever make me get get over what I did, and I'm sorry. But that's but that's it. The hurts there, isn't it? it, it, it that's, yeah. It's never going to go away, unfortunately. No. It doesn't seem to, anyway. No. Oh, it didn't take a prison sentence yeah. for me to feel like I had a penance to hold on to. Definitely not. Yeah. You know, going to jail for me was just the cogs of how this world works and something that had to take place um, in terms of, you know, how the system works. But I, I've been paying for it a very long time <laughs> in 101 yeah, different ways. So, um, yeah. yeah, yeah, we'll see. And when it was, when it was, when you're in the middle of it, when you're in the middle of what you were doing, there was a, you did, I don't imagine you were cartwheeling around going, oh, I'm getting away with this. Oh God, you know, and, and that's the sad thing really, you know, retrospectively, it was always a terrible idea. It started off as a nice idea that just turned into delusion, you know, ideas of grandeur where I thought I could make something wonderful, but it came at too high a cost to everyone involved. Um, and essentially, you know, I blew smoke up their arse for far too long and um i didn't deliver let a lot of people down let myself down my family down and that's you know um one of the things they teach you in prison is to understand the victims of your crime and uh it's the ripple effect so of course it's the people who lost money who invested mm. um but um the ripple effect is is huge no it's it's something yeah. that but you know in in the eye of the storm. I don't think anything could have talked me out of it. I thought it was a great idea and I thought everything would be all right. And, you know, the money would come rolling in and everything would um, balance. But uh, yeah, yeah, that's yeah, yeah. the delusions of someone with immense mental health issues, uh, impulsive behaviours and, well, criminal motivations i suppose at essence there's, there's no getting around that um people often say when you go to prison you have to sit and you have to speak to therapists and offender managers and they say why did you do it and with fraud they always say well it's financial gain it's personal gain that's why you did it, it mm. it's so much more complex than that um you know yeah, right. you don't break the law just for a bit of money you break the law because whatever led you there whatever motivated you whatever you mm. thought your outcomes were going to be so it's yeah yeah it's complicated. <laughs> yeah. And I guess there was, a, like you say, it was a delusion that these people were investing money in what you were doing. But then you would kind of, you like the, yeah, the business would blossom and then you could go, right, oh, there's their money back. All right, okay. We've got through that bit. Yeah. <laughs> and it just spiraled and just got out of control. Yeah, understatement of the century. No, uh, believe me, I, I fell for it too. I was absolutely, I, I went with my own narrative. It was um, a blissful ignorance of, uh, well, grand stupidity. But, you get um, caught up in the moment. and Yeah, it, it was easy to do. And I have to say, it's the only reason I was hesitant to talk to you in that, obviously, as the Barker Baker, there was a lot of PR and, you know, we had BBC and ITV and it was all very exciting and it was all very shining a light on this beautiful vision of mine. Um, so when I say blowing smoke up the arse, I'm, I'm not, it, that's no small mm. feat. Um, and I did. I believe we were doing something amazing. I thought it would be great. I thought, you know, with all that sort of exposure, um, it could only get bigger and better. But it was like building a house on sand. And, you know, with mm, me, me heading the ship with no business acumen, not really, um, and far too many issues to be thinking as, as, as mm. a businesswoman should, it was always going to end in disaster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what what did the therapist say when you were talking to them and, when you're in prison talking it through was it was it narcissism was it was it all manner of things was it do you know more than anything i had the most amazing therapist um called kath mm. and i very much went to prison thinking i was this 
horrible person and I was deceitful and the things that the judge said in her sentencing were things that stayed with me and resonated and it's mm. just something I couldn't unhear for the rest and I never will it will be with me forever and I thought is that truly who I am is that all people will see now is that how I have to sort of you know come to terms with um and my therapist essentially it's a sad story of someone who's got emotionally unstable personality disorder bipolar mm. And has had a very traumatic childhood, many traumatic life events, which essentially my learned behavior and my defense mechanisms and definitely fibers of narcissism. There has to be because you cannot mm. make such selfish decisions and not think about the consequences of your actions without having that within you. Um, and that scared me more than anything else. I, I would never want to be that person ever again. Am I? Absolutely. Mm. It is within me. Um, I just choose not to be. I've got better coping strategies. I've got better me mental health intervention. I've got amazing support networks. You know, I've got financial security and stability, which for a woman a year out of jail <laughs> is no yeah. mean feat. You know, it, it's a madness, actually, to think that I've, I've bounced back. Yeah. Touch wood. Touch wood. Yeah, right. It's, I'm so much more fortunate. Those... It's in you, isn't it? And you must, you must fight those voices every day that just, that's the make, the, you know, the bad decisions. Go, yeah, just do that, just do that. Be yeah, fine. well, yeah. I mean, and I suppose the most enlightening moment for me in prison was I had to sit in front of the board of governors to ask permission to come home on release on temporary license when I was in open prison, and the therapist said, "Fran, they will ask you." why did you commit your crime? And mm. what they'll expect you to say is personal gain. And I got upset and I said, but it wasn't personal gain. I, I, I Obviously, financial motivation, yes. And she said, well, then what was it? And I burst into tears and it, 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 it just, it's so sad to say out loud at the age of 35. And I said, to be honest, I wanted to be seen as really successful so that ultimately, if we pick it all apart, I just wanted people to be proud of me. I wanted my parents to see me on the TV and say, mm. fuck me. Wow. Okay, good. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, that was a really harsh and stark realisation that actually there's, you know, a four-year-old's mind in a 35-year-old woman's body going, just be proud of me. Um, mm. So, yes, yeah. you know, that was my motivation, which I could have had all the money in the world and it wouldn't have made any difference. The only difference now is I'm quite proud of myself. So actually it doesn't mm. really matter. Um, I mean, yeah, truly, yeah, yeah. Uh, the life I've lived, the places I've been, the things I've experienced, you know, some of which you've read about, uh, for me to be who I am, where I am at 35, even with a criminal conviction times a million and a custodial yeah. sentence behind me, I'm smashing it. <laughs> yeah. I, re I really am. I'm, I'm proud of myself, you know, for being this resilient. And I know that sometimes that's met with a level of distaste that I'm not supposed to feel like that. And I should just carry mm. a burden of shame. Um, you know, it's, um, it's a difficult morality, I suppose, to tolerate. I think it's that it must be difficult to, like if someone was to sit here, you speaking now, someone that you've upset before and of course, and they were like, how dare you? How dare you exactly. be that please? You've got pleased with yourself, you know, after I know. what you did. And I know. That must be hard to to deal with. Do you know, it's, it is, it's a total head fuck on a daily basis. And I, it's one of the hardest things I have to overcome, I think is, and I suppose find <clears throat> the balance because I do feel those things. I wake up and I feel shameful and then I overcome it by thinking, 
it was a moment in time. It's in the past. I can't keep going over this. It's it's so unhealthy to keep living so retrospectively. It It's a consequence and I have to deal with it every day. But equally, as I say, I wake up and I feel proud of myself that I've overcome those things. My own obstacles, mm. I'll admit, but many, many more put in the way that I could have quite happily <laughs> done without. But yeah. I appreciate what you're saying. Absolutely. I have no doubt that the people involved in my case, if they were to hear me speak so, well, freely and, you know, mm. laissez-faire kind of like, oh, well, life goes on in its tough tits. No, mm. no. I have to stress, in you know, inherently that, yes, I was a shit, but I also deserve to be happy. <laughs> and, and, you know, that's, yeah. that's where we lie. Uh, it's the same with yeah. anyone who's broken the law. We, we can't, as, as women, as men, as whoever it may be, um, who've made mistakes and hurt other people in the process, we can't be victims of our own crime forever. It, mm. It's un unhealthy. We'll, we'll never truly re rehabilitate if we can't accept our mistakes yeah. and move on from them. I think that's the thing, isn't it? Like having... Having read your story, having read Irwin's and seen videos of him doing talks and stuff about what he yeah. did and how, where he at, where he's at now, you know, he's a very, he's a very sophisticated gentleman. Like, yeah. to, so Absolutely. when you look into when you look into what he did and you go and he goes, yeah, that was that was that was circumstance and and I'll never I'll never get over what I did and I can't pay back what I did, but I can only do good things going forward and try and help other people that are in that in that situation that seems what inside time is absolutely and you know that is truly the best kind of reparation that any of us can give you know whether or not it's a criminal act or whether it's a hurtful act whatever it may be the only way we can repay that is by doing something better doing something good and trying to make positive changes not raking over it a hundred times a day because it no good can come of it no the only things no. we can do is to make better and Irwin mm. is, you know, a phenomenal example of that. Um, and as you say, incredibly articulate. Uh, the first time we conversed was over Twitter. And when we spoke on the phone, I think he was quite taken aback by how I sound. And I certainly was mm. by how he sounds. And we had a sort of uh, a middle class criminal power, which made me laugh. Um, but as you say, these are issues that affect every faction of society. And mm. we're so often, I suppose, swayed by the media to think... Otherwise, you know, it's yeah. just the dregs and the down and outs and it's this and it's that and it's, you know, the druggies and the addicts and it's this. It's not. It's your everyday Joe who makes a mistake or finds himself in an impossible situation or is mm. overcoming demons of the past which haven't been dealt with. Yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah, it wasn't until I had therapy that I realised that there was some stuff that I hadn't dealt with. And, mm. you know, and I came from, a, you know, my mum my, my, my dad, we didn't want for anything. It wasn't, but for some reason there was, there was a bit of trauma in my mm. life for, for whatever reason. And I hadn't dealt with it. And that was, sort of, and, I, and then things happened when I was a bit, I was sort of like, I was in my sort of late teens. And, and then I was dragging that through my life. And then, you know, then in, I ended up in a fight with someone who was a. These two men were having a go at these women on London Bridge, and my my then wife stepped in and had a go at them. I was like, "You're picking on women. What are you doing?" And then they were. Then they started to abuse her and have a go at her. So I ended up punching one of them, mm. and I got in trouble because I I punched them first. And so 
And it's like, no, he called my wife a fat C-U-N-T. I'm not going to stand for that. Mm. And when I said to him, take that back, he went, well, she is. And I'm like, I, and I, so I lost it. Mm. And because of that, and I even, I remember, I even, I thought there'd be cameras all over London Bridge. So I just stood there and I went, right, I've got to wait for the police. And they turn up. Turns out no, there's no cameras on London Bridge, nothing. <laughs> and uh, But I stood there and I waited to get arrested. They didn't even handcuff me. They just put me in the car and took me to the station. And then... Well, even when I got there and the policeman said, right, you've never been in trouble before. Now you're in trouble. It's weird. What was the motivation? Was it self-defense? And I went, no, he called my wife a fat C-U-N-T. And he was like, yeah, but, and he was trying to, I think he was trying to get me to say it was self-defense. And I was too, because I'd never been in trouble. So I didn't know. You're just honest. (laughs) Just honest. And I'm going, no, he, he, he said that. So I asked him not to, he did it again and I hit him. And, and it was, it went through and, but now because of that, I mean, I don't have a criminal record now, but, you know, I can't do things. Like I can't work with, you know, I can't work with the public mm. anymore. Like, I can't do like care work like I used to do and things like that just because of this thing. And it's and it's not even, even if you, when I, even, I went to Australia just after it had happened, after I'd been convicted and I I did my time. I didn't go to prison. I did community service, 150 mm-hmm. hours litter picking on the Broadwater Farm Estate in Tottenham, right? And I got it all done and I got to Australia and then they stopped me at the border and they said, right, what's this? And uh, and I said to the guy, I explained to him what I'd done and he went, all right, so you, you punched the guy for calling your wife? I went, yeah. And he went, welcome to Australia. And he let me in and it was a <laughs> nice moment. But people just see that, oh, you, you've you been done for assault yeah. and that's it. They yeah. don't see why you got done for assault. They don't look into it. And that's, they don't, and I say like, you know, lots of people that do things they're not like we were, like I said earlier. They're not they're not shitty people. They made a bad decision mm. for whatever reason, and I think that needs to be looked into a bit. Maybe oh, hundred percent, honestly. Mm. And you know, for me, definitely, um, having been in a category A women's prison, I went in with a very specific view of what murderers might be and what other women of of criminal nature might be, and of course, heinous crimes. But to hear the stories behind it was just. A harrowing affair to see the kind of women and everyone everyone I met in prison is broken for one reason or another mm. um and as you say uh and branded forever now um and that's the sad yeah. thing you know I've been out for just over a year and thankfully thankfully have maintained full-time employment for kind of six months or so now back in education back teaching which for someone with a fraud conviction is nothing short of a miracle but again it was about having that open and honest conversation with my employer and saying Mm. listen if you're going to interview me google me because i don't want to get six weeks down the line somebody has a little look and then goes oh my god have you seen Mm. this um which you know when i got out of jail i got hired and fired and hired and fired four times oh really for that exact reason which is guys i've got a criminal conviction okay thanks for telling us that's nice and honest and then at some point someone's googled me and gone oh wow she sounds Mm. fucking awful um you know um and if i was reading the manchester evening news or whatever it may be other papers are available and were (laughs) um yes you know i i would be the same if i didn't know who i was and you were just reading that at face value, it makes for absolute horror stories. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, well, yeah. that's it. When, like I say when I was Googling you for this and I read it and I was like, oh, shit, right, okay. <laughs> yeah. That's quite, a, that's quite a heavy story, that. And, yeah. um, but that's the thing. There's a talk of, 
like we say, like they just assume that people that commit these things, are, uh, a lot of people have committed them because they're just shit people. It's like they're not, you know, people are getting squashed even more so than it's than they used to be. It seems by the government and they're they don't give a shit about people. There's a system where we're all supposed to fit into this system, so we benefit the government and the people with money. Mm. And if you don't fit into that system, you know, or you, you're just, you're just, they just don't give a shit about you. So you have to find other ways to find your way to survive. Yeah. You know, yeah. they would and be then, quite happy for you to just move <laughs> to the sea. Oh, hundred percent. And at the opposite end of the scale, you know, prison is big business, big business. No, really? they're building more prison places on the basis that it's, it makes, you know, prisoners are profit in this country, ultimately. Oh, really? Um, it costs the taxpayers far too much money to incarcerate people. It would cost a lot less to, you know, re repay society and community sentencing. But uh, no, you know, for as long as we've got private companies running prisons, there's always going to be a commodity. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, right. I had no idea. Indeed. But, uh, you know, I won't, I won't bore you with the politics of uh, my sort no. of... Uh, frustrations with the inequalities in the system but uh it's it's definitely not for the public protection i'd say 90 percent of yeah, the time right. because truly yeah you know 74 percent of women in this country are convicted for not paying tv licenses that's insane what? yeah it's insane just for not having a tv license yeah for not paying your tv license you will be convicted and you will go to jail Yes, so... That's ridiculous. That is ridiculous. <laughs> it's an insanity. It's an insanity. Oh, my God. This is yeah. this is the state of it, isn't it? And it's... For people that have done something, like, that's pretty heinous, then, yeah, I get it. You know, you get banged up. You get kept away because you're a danger to everybody. Mm. But when it's something like that, and it's, so it's something that, like, you've, you've made a bad decision, you fucked up, and you... All right, you you did whatever you did, but you didn't kill anybody, and you didn't. Mm. You just did a shit thing, and I think that yeah, you need to maybe yeah, be put into the community, and like like I did, I did litter picking on the Broadwater yeah, Farm yeah. Estate, and we'll and I painted, a, yeah, yeah, do that. Paint. Yeah. I was painting a wall in a school in Tufnell Park, and that's what you should be doing. They they talk about not having enough money to invest in in building, you know, rebuilding things, and so well, I'm sure there's some builders that are fucked up. Get them to do the work like 100 percent. yeah do it that way and then they'll feel like they're they're paying back their debt and i don't understand it's just, but i did it's just money everything comes back to money for sure hey and that's listen, why everyone's yeah that that's exactly it isn't it it's the root of all <clears> evil <throat> uh you know it's it's my crime it's my past it's well the reason you and i are talking really um mm. was on the back of uh previous employments i've had um yeah, it's um, but you know what's what's going to change under a Tory government? <laughs> I, I know, and it's getting well, and they've even been now. They've been found out. They've been. It's so obvious what they're doing, mm. and you know, even now, now it's now it's it's tax season. Everyone's got. We've all got to pay our tax, and I genuinely, I'm like, why? I'm not giving. I don't want to because you're not. <laughs> it's not going where it needs to go. It's not going to go to the schools. It's not going to go to the to the NHS or the nurses or wherever it's supposed to go. It's going into the pockets of your mates, and that's yeah. that's why we're all <laughs> fucked. Yeah, and that's why people are doing. That's why people are committing crimes because they can't afford to put the heating on. I know. You know, well, the system it's, it's uh, stacked yeah. the wrong way around, definitely. But um, yeah, I don't know what the answer to that is at all. But um, aside from the fact that, listen, I will pay my council tax on my TV license because I am not going back to prison for anything. <laughs> no, that must be. I mean, that's the thing. I remember. 
it was the first time when when my solicitor said to me, um, "You might this might be six months," and I'm like, "You're kidding!" Mm. I didn't. I was standing up for people, and he went, "Mate, it doesn't work like that." <laughs> I went, "Right, well, what shall I do?" And he said, "I oh, well bring." He goes, "Bring fifty pounds in cash." Yeah. And bring someone with you because you might have to give them your stuff. Because I'm like, what are you saying? I, I can't. I can't. And it was the first time I'd actually properly like shit myself because um, mm. I'd heard. I know that prison isn't. You know, you see the TV shows, and they're talking about. Oh yeah, you're gonna. You're, oh yeah, you'll be the king of the wing, and you'll be this, that, and you're going. No, you won't. You'll be the bottom of the pile, and you'll get mugged every day. Yeah. Yeah. No, I was quite lucky actually. And I think a lot of my friends had sort of um, anxiety sounding the way I do and looking the way I do and walking into a cat A prison, you know, with all my own teeth. Um, <laughs> I think they thought, oh God, you know, Fran's just going to be for it every minute of every day. But, um, you know, I think they forget that having been homeless and having lived quite a different life, I'm well adept and quite savvy when it comes to navigating uh, abrupt personalities and people are going to take the absolute piss so mm. no i was fine quite streetwise all things considered right. um so no no dramas no fights no gangs no nothing saw some things i will never be able to forget for the rest of my days um you know uh, prison weapons prison fights mm. just uh, the drug use the the prolific nature of drugs in prisons was something i wasn't really? expecting um, you know, corruption within the prisons in itself is something that I just, right. it, there's corruption everywhere, of course there is, but yeah, um, of course there is, yeah. to see it firsthand up close and personal was a shock. Um, yeah, no, an interesting thing when the prison guards are probably more bent than the prisoners, but um, <laughs> wow. we're back to that system not working. Um, well, that's it, isn't it? It's them, it's them, it's them doing their, they're trying to survive as well. And exactly. So it's all just business. Rules. Yeah. 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 Um, so no, it's it's an interesting, but you know, as I say, it all comes back to the fact that we're putting women in cages and we're not fixing them. Um, no. So they come out, they're more pissed off, they're more angry, they're more vulnerable and they've got even less opportunity. So the only options, again, are to break the law. Um, mm. Well, that's, yeah, there is, it must feel like there's no other choice there's, because there isn't any, there's like Erwin was saying, you know, prison is supposed to rehabilitate like you just said it's supposed to rehabilitate and set you on a different path so you are now able to sort of fit into society and have more have more options than you had before which made you commit the crime in the first mm. place mm. but it just they go but like you said they bang you up you do your time they spit you back out and then you're expected to just what what because now you're labeled like you said yeah now what do you do you people won't employ you you can't get any money you can't get anywhere to live You've already said that you were homeless. Mm. You know, that's that. That's something that I learned from John Healy's book. It was like, I didn't realise how brutal it is to live on the streets. That must have been, when you first did that, that must have been horrifying when you ended up homeless. But you know, it's a madness really, because I went <laughs> from being a very white middle class, well-to-do sort of 20-something, living with my family in Cheshire, being cut out of that and then financially cut out of that and then sort of running away like a older teenager would hit the streets of London, blitzed my money and then thought, 
fuck, what do I do now? Um, mm. Made some poor choices, obviously had a bit of a addiction, um, which was only going to end one way with no financial support, no idea where to start or what to do. Um, very quickly went from couch surfing to sleeping under a bridge, which was um, right. interesting. And as I said in that piece of writing, for me, I have strange PTSD moments where it's something as simple as going into Tesco and buying a meal deal for myself is a joy mm. as opposed to somebody giving me one. Um, yeah. And I just, I find it fascinating, that role reversal. The ability to do that, the novelty never wears off. And my wife will say, can you believe a meal deal is £3.40 now, the prices? And I just think, shut up and buy it. Yeah, <laughs> no, yeah, do you know what a joy it is to be able to do that and uh, to not beg for it, to not need it, to not want it. Um, yeah, and then of course, from the streets, I thought, right, okay, um, got myself onto the internet to see if I could find some more couch surfing. This is back in the days when Craigslist was still a big thing. Mm. Um, yeah, found somewhere that was like, come and do some office work, come and do some admin, run the phones for us, and you can sleep in like the back. And I thought, that'll do for now, absolutely. Mm. Um, yeah, and ended up. <laughs> locked in never to be seen again no. for a few months um yeah again as you will have read it was um i think i would have been better on the streets because <laughs> mm. mm. i see it there's that i know people that there is that talk like with sex workers and make it legal to so that they would make it safer mm. and you don't realize i didn't after reading your piece and you said like you know basically you were trafficked into mm. sex work against your will but you I think because human beings find a way of dealing with it, you kind of, like you said, there was a bit you said, you kind of like, you when they were, when you had a nice moment, you were kind of, all right, okay, it's not, you know, it was like you were, you were clinging on to the nice bits when really it was all horrific. A hundred, but you know, I've, I've written about it and I've spoken about it in the past where if anyone, and I've been quite open about, you know, sex work, prostitution, escorting, whichever umbrella it falls under. And believe me, we've, do, <laughs> I've lived a life where it's been 30 quid a go and it's been 300 quid a go. So, you know, it's, wow. it's a, a spectrum for sure. And for a long time, a very long time, a decade now at least, I thought it was empowering. I was taking back my power and that for, as a gay woman, especially, um, you know, to be prolific in the sex industry with men, for me, it was, if anything, you know, take it, I suppose it's that taking advantage, taking their money and mm. taking back that sort of right. And uh, it's only sitting in prison, as I've written about, with that offender manager who says, hmm, Fran, <laughs> I think mm. you need to understand what it is that you've just said out loud, which is locked in a warehouse, being made to have sex with men, not getting to keep any of the money, not having the free right to leave, not having access to communication. Um, yeah. Mm, um, wow. yeah. Uh, and then it sort of, the world crashed on my head and I mm. suddenly realised okay no you're right actually it wasn't about my sexual liberation and the fact that I could make a lot of money doing something that didn't matter to me it was um, at the expense of me entirely yeah 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 yeah, yeah. this yeah yeah it's, yeah. One, it's one of those things there's so much someone was telling me that there's more money made from human beings now than drugs than mm. drug drug, you know, drug dealing and I was like fuck me yeah but I, for me, it's a fascinating thing. So I used to get the Megabus from Manchester to London and it goes into London a very specific way. And whenever I go past Brent's Cross, I just think, 
oh, because the warehouse was near there. And mm. when I finally spoke to the police about this last year, the year before, while I was in jail, um, they said, you know, where was it? Can you give us detail? And I was like, Jesus, you're asking a lot. You know, I saw mm. it from the outside and then I saw it from the inside and then I saw it when I was getting the hell away. Um, but, you know, to pinpoint it. So they were trying to find out where this sort of trafficking ring was because it was me. It was Eastern European women. It was so cliche. Mm. Um, I just think how many people drive past on a day-to-day basis and have got no idea what's going on. You know, yeah. it was a carpet, shun- uh, carpet shop frontage. And then at the back, it was a knocking shop extraordinaire. Oh, it's my God. Just a madness. Um, but people did know it was there because they come and knock on the doors and the doors would be opened and you go into room one, two, three, whatever it would be. Wow. Um, you know, and they had the office downstairs where I manned the phones for a short period of time. Um, so it was a proper operation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, scary. How, how, how did you get away from it? Just leg it one day? No. So if you were particularly good or if you probably were a bit tidier and a bit more educated, occasionally there would be a higher-end client. So the <laughs> pimp, as it, I suppose he is right. now, Steve, would drive us into central London. And I had a client who was an investment banker at a big bank in Canary Wharf. And... Um, I think we connected and had conversations where he thought, I think this girl's in trouble. And he hadn't quite realised what he'd signed up for. I think he thought he had like mm. a nice escort service, not some right. dodgy pimp with a bunch of girls locked in a warehouse. So I told him what was going on. And he knew that the pimp drove us from A to B to location. So he said, I'd like to see whatever my name was at the time. Um, mm. Can you drop her off? So dropped me yeah. off and I never went back. Oh, um, Wow. He gave me some money, literally. He didn't expect anything from me. He was just horrified that he'd sort of delved into the sex industry and realised what he was paying into, I suppose. Holy shit. Uh, So no, yeah. Gave me money, helped me set up a bank account and got me out of there. No. Wow. Yeah, and if he hadn't, I can't even imagine. No. 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 Well, this is it. People have never seen again, are they? That's... Oof. But, you know, that's that's the scary thing. Like, I, I spoke to the girls that were, were all locked in together. Like, but nobody's looking. Nobody's looking. Nobody cares. And we disappear. You know, I'm, I'm from a well-to-do middle-class background, but my parents mm. would have had no idea. They never... It just wasn't a conversation. It still hasn't. No. <laughs> no. And are they, is this, and this is still an ongoing thing? People just don't give a shit. They just not... I mean, like the warehouse, for example, they, did they ever deal with that? They don't know. I doubt they know. I doubt they know. It's something that's never come up in conversation. You know, one day I disappeared from Cheshire and then I reappeared in Manchester a year and a half later. It was never to be spoken about. Um, So, no. No. Did the police ever go and deal with it? Did they ever go investigate? Yes. um, It's kind of, it's on a back burner. Technically, there's nothing they can do about it. They went to go and suss out what they thought would be the location of the warehouse. Um, It's not anymore, or at least it's not active. Um, And they said that they would sort of keep an eye out, but the quantity of sex trafficking rings and that sort of story that goes on in London is something that, yeah, trying to find Steve, who, you know, I gave an avid description of this guy, the car that he Mm. was driving. But, you know, we're talking sort of 2009 so mm, it's a long time wow. ago to try and keep up with someone like that yeah yeah yeah, yeah. but yeah. now you're out and now you're doing now you're doing decent work trying to help others yes things. so the most amazing thing for me going to prison was it could have broken me a hundred times mm. in a hundred ways but i decided 
having walked the walk, uh, no, talked the talk, but not walked the walk as the Barker Baker, which was, you know, I want to help women get back. I want to help people with criminal convictions. And then not really fulfilling that and not living up to my own expectations for other people's. I thought, well, you know, I've been sent to prison for a reason. This has happened for a reason. There has to be some good to come out of it. Mm. And off the back of that, it was, and to be fair, it's aimed at women like me, which, you know, I think people assume if you've got an education and you've got a decent background and you know essentially you've been dealt a good hand but you've still completely gone against it and fucked up and thrown it back in society's face you're blacklisted in a variety of ways and that's mm. through the press that's through preconceptions that's through uh, lack of employment whatever it may be so i set up the coming home project which is to help women coming out of prison who've got higher education to get into jobs of management positions and things like that to essentially get their careers back on track mm. is yeah, that is the aim is the hope we've been successful so far you know we've piloted a few projects we've been financed by some amazing community groups and things like that yeah and for me to be trusted in that in that sort of way is a phenomenal mm. thing you know for me to come out and maintain some credibility um within greater manchester and to be able to be trusted with you know funding for community projects and things like that yeah that's huge you know the girl who pissed it up the wall or whatever people seem mm. to think um and, and now actually, giving you money again and they're like okay yeah thankfully it never passes through my hands that oh god i'd sooner die um than <laughs> <laughs> no don't even yeah. give me a pound i'm not interested but yes to have the project backed and supported and to be you know it's got amazing success outcomes already um mm. i've been nominated for mentor of the year award for the north power women um oh, madness well madness and it's yeah. all it's all a bit scary because it's echoing a past life definitely you know this is all mm. very familiar and it will sound yeah, yeah, familiar yeah. to anyone you know it, well, as you were talking about it it was like okay this feels like we're going down a similar path yeah no and i said this to my probation officer last week and you know she was like fran that's amazing oh my god you've done great things and i was like yeah but we've heard it all before and she was like mm. yeah and she's like but and i was like i know i get to say but because i feel it i know the changes yeah. but to the outside world this is all looking a bit you know, boy who cried wolf. Um, mm. And I get that I do, but I suppose now it's for me to just maintain it for me and to not involve anyone who could possibly, you know, fall up, fall foul of any, any decisions yeah. I would make. Yeah. I think it's great. I think it's great. And it's like you say, you're aware of what you're capable of before, yeah. before. And like you said earlier, it's still within you. Yeah. I think that's it. We can, we can still make shitty mistakes. You know, I know, I know, you know, you have thoughts. You go, no, don't, no, don't go down that way. Why mm. don't you just, why don't you just look at what, look at around you, look at the life you've got. Now, don't, don't fuck it up, dickhead. Don't go and, don't go and have that drink. Don't, don't go and hang out with those people because if you hang out with those people, you're going to end up doing other things and you're going to end up in trouble. Now, why don't you just have your nice little life and have a pint with nice people? <laughs> you know, Do you know just, that is, you've absolutely, you've nailed it. And that's the thing. Yeah. I think I always thought. Having grown up in the way I have, having had the life I've had, I always wanted to be perceived as being this, you know, successful, solvent, wonderful, uh, you know, the social media wonder. 
and I wanted everyone to think that. But quite frankly, as soon as you stop giving a shit what people think, it makes life a lot easier. I am very happy with what I have and what I have is just enough. It brings me joy. It brings me happiness. The people I have love me. I love them. I don't need anything more than that, truly. No. I get up, I go to work, I pay the bills. Yeah, no, little bits of happiness in between. Yes, good. My wife's happy. We're healthy. That's yeah. it. Yeah. Nice. Where did you meet your wife? <laughs> Surprisingly, when I came back from Manchester. Yes, after yeah. the uh, interesting period of time. So that, you know, falling in love so soon after having had such a traumatic experience in London. It, yeah, should have spelled disaster, but we've been together for 13 years. So, oh, wow. you know, she's lived, breathed and wow. Yeah. I mean, she's really stood by me through. As I say, she's been with you that whole time, even through the shit bits. And Oh God, you know, wow. in, in 2016, when I was in the eye of the storm and I was making these fucking, or excuse me, sorry, these awful right. decisions, um, she sat me down outside the bakery and she said, I don't know what you're doing, but all I know is the consequence of this is you are going to go to prison. Mm. Um, and she was so mad at me because I'd shut her out of everything. I didn't. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, we got married in 2019 and then in 2020, the police sent me an email and said, hiya, this is detective inspector, whoever, can you give us a call? And I thought, <laughs> here we go. Mm. Um, sat down, had a conversation with her and I was like, we knew this day would come. It, it had to, there was always going to be a consequence, you know, me paying bits and pieces of money back through the years was never going to be enough. There always had to be justice and accountability. Mm. Um, did we expect it to be a 27 month sentence? No, definitely not. Um, but from the moment I got sent down, you know, my friends, my family, my wife, they wrote to me every single day in prison. Um, yeah, she kept life going. She kept our apartment. She kept our friendships. She just, you know, my wife is nothing if not phenomenal. And yeah, yeah, truly. And I don't think I would have become the person I am, the the much better version of who I am without her. Yeah, yeah. Very lucky because that's the thing as well. A lot of people don't have that. They don't have that support from families or loved mm -hmm. ones. They're very much on their own. Hundred percent. And so when they come out of prison what chance do they have? They're going to fall back into the old ways. They're going to fall back into the the people that are there, you know, mm -hmm. the people on the street that they were with or the or wherever they get sent to. And this is something that needs to be addressed, isn't it? It needs, that, needs to be a, a network put in place. But again, people won't fund that. They won't invest. They won't invest in people. Exactly. That's that. where the issue is. They'll invest in making money, but they won't <laughs> invest in actual people. And this is what, you know, I, I mean, are they, do you have a lot of support within the system for, for what you're doing with, uh, you know, with Inside Time and, and with the, the new project you're doing? To be honest, I've not really tested the water in terms of, you know, how mm. criminal justice, uh, how the system could come together. I'd like to think so. There's, there's a huge sort of PR um, propaganda that lived experience is the game changer. I mean, it yeah, is, definitely. of course it is. It has to be because nine times out of 10, you don't want to hear some educated twat who's got no idea and no lived experience and no trauma, no drama, no addiction to sit down mm. and tell you how to sort your life out. It's immediately you've got the barrier. There's no, there's no connection. There's no relatability. There's no true empathy. So it has to be, you know, I've been there. I've done that. I've seen it. 
let's let's do this together that that is what coming home's about it's to say guys listen it may look shiny on the outside but it's chaos on the inside but we mm. can do chaos we can do it day by day bit by bit together if i talk to you and you talk to me we can take on the world it's you know yeah. it's just that solidarity and that commonality we're lacking that across every faction of society not just you know the criminals but yeah. uh, if we could all just give that a go it'd be a bit easier yeah 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 well it's funny we talk about addiction and i remember years ago uh the comedian mickey flanagan used to have this bit about you know we 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 ridicule people like the alcoholics and they go like oh yeah you know you're you know they drink every day and they're just that's all they care about and they go but if you're in this nice little middle class house, you know, no one thinks twice of having like a bottle or two of wine in the evening, mm. every evening. And you're like, it's the same fucking thing. Entirely. Entirely. You know, yeah, it's just it's a different you know, you're they're just it's not as extreme. Mm. But there's still that need to have a drink every day. Yeah. And you know, you'd be and it's it's a milder version, but it's still there. Yeah. You know, and, and it's it's recognising you've got to recognise why people get into these positions in the first like you say, there's always a, a lot of trauma. Mm. Early on in life, like I say, like the John Healy book, read about Irwin, and you mentioned it as well. And there's people mm. I know that have had a terrible childhood. You mm. know, I'm not saying that that they could just go, oh, it's the fault of that, so that's why I'm I've fucked everything up now. But we have to address it. There has to be. Mm. I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. Trying to. It's very difficult for people when you're in the eye of the storm, as you said, to say something. You know, when a child is going through something traumatic. Mm. Where do they turn? Like you've got Childline, but it's not as easy as that. Mm, no. there's, a, there's an assumption that it's because they're the grown-ups. You think that they know what they're doing. You trust them. Mm. So you go, oh, it must be whatever they're doing is the right thing. And I'm the child. I don't know. Yeah, and absolutely. It's, it's so fucked. Mm. What do you do? I don't know what you do. It just no. needs to be more investment in people. I don't it know. does. No, investment. Well, that's it. Investment in people. Mm. And, um, you know, we wouldn't need to send people to prison if we had more investment in mental health interventions yeah. and, you know, psycholog psychological therapies and domestic violence interventions and support. The logic, the logic is there. It's proven. It's just the, well, I don't know. It's, it seems to be what we do. We've got the answers, you know, how can we solve the cost of living crisis? Well, we can invest in the right way, but we don't, um, yeah. you know, it's, it, yeah. Profit over people. Welcome to the Every, uh, this is it. <laughs> Yeah. And this is the issue, isn't it? It's always been the same. Yeah. Uh, money first, and they don't give a shit about anything else. And there needs to be, we need to have a better understanding of what it actually means to be a human being. We don't fit into this system. We're not supposed to be in this system. We're supposed mm. to be like helping each other out. And because it's a fucking miracle that we exist in the first place, but you're always going to get the pricks in the, in the, in the crowd, like, you know, manipulating everybody else for their own gain. And, you know, it's the pigs taking over the farm, isn't it? It's just that <laughs> yeah. whoever yeah. gets in charge, they always turn out to be, they always become what they were fighting against in the first place. So I had that mm. very conversation last night. Mm. You know, you start off, people start off with good intentions and they start making money and they say, oh, hang on a minute. Yeah. And then they get hooked into that. And again, it's like you, you know, like we talked about earlier, you get caught up in that kind of oh yeah yeah nice he's nice okay I'll do it all right well we'll we'll all right we'll keep doing this for a bit yeah it's 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 a shame but i do believe that people are redeemable you you know you might have fucked up but that doesn't mean that you you should be completely written off no i agree and you know 
as I said, when I went to prison, I went to prison with the mindset of, I am a bad person. I am mm. a, as the judge said, a most dishonest and deceitful woman. And I thought, okay, yeah, no, absolutely. And it took me a long time to say, I am and can be a dishonest and deceitful woman, mm. but I choose not to be. Yeah. I'm actually kind and funny and hardworking. And, you know, yeah. those are the qualities that override any of the negatives. So, you know, that stuff it's that you're trying to wrangle, you're wrangling with it every day, can't yeah. I? Yeah. yeah. I know that's in there. Yeah. Yeah. No. And, it, you know, that it's like I said, the boy who cried wolf, that, that is, I suppose, my, my issue more than anything. It'd be different if I hadn't put myself on that pedestal to say, look, I'm reformed, I'm redeemed. And then I completely fucked everybody over. Mm. it's distasteful. I do find it distasteful and it's a, a difficult thing for me to sort of have some credibility and some decency to be able to have these conversations without feeling, I don't know, inappropriate, I suppose, to say, yeah. no, really, trust me this time. I am redeemed. I am rehabilitated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, pro I promise it's true this time. Um, and I suppose it's learning that it's not about we put a lot of emphasis on, well, you've had a second chance. Well, fuck second chances. You can have a third and a fourth. It's just progress. As long as you're making progress yeah. and you're making things better and you're making things right, that's yeah. all that matters to me. And, uh, you know, that's not to take away from what I did. Uh, you know, that was, well, it was humongous for everyone involved, but um, mm. it's it's not my life sentence, that's for sure. No, of course not. You've, you've, like you say, you've paid your paid your dues now you're trying to make amends yeah. by doing the work that you're doing so what is so what do, so do people contact you or do you contact people in prison or how does it work yeah so it's a combination of the two um thus far it's come through some charities and people who are sort of self-referring so it's very much go to the website sign up whatever get in touch on social media the next steps will be to come direct from probation so women getting straight out of prison ideally will get their referrals to come um you know it's peer support it's online tools it's 101 different things um the first sort of pilot was amazing because we did it face to face, which meant women getting out of jail got to hang out with women who'd got out of jail. So right. we had people who'd been out six weeks, six months, a year, whatever. And we could all talk about our journeys and how we were fitting back into life, society, job searches, criminal disclosure, finances, financial resilience, debt, getting mental health support and juggling all of these crazy things. Um, you know, being in prison is a liberating experience for a lot of reasons, but one of which is you're completely taken out of normal life, which is you don't worry about paying the council tax and you don't worry mm. that the electricity bills have gone up. You don't worry about doing the food shop. And when you come home and you're job searching, you're readjusting to fitting back in with the family and the friends and the social life and normal post COVID, it, it kind of freaks you out having that immediate mm. responsibility again to think, oh, I don't think I'm ready. It's like it's going lot, back into it? a childlike yeah. state. Um, because you've got huge responsibility and very limited opportunity to be able to navigate that. Um, so yeah. I'm hoping what we're doing is bridging the gap, definitely. Um, aside from anything, it's building confidence and it is having this sort of dialogue with these women to say, you are more than what your crime says you are. And it is to remind them of that because some of these women have been in prison for years and years yeah. And that's all they know. So it's to just try and reframe that and say, it doesn't define you. What you do now does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. Giving them a reason to change. Uh, Giving them hope that they're not, like you just said, like they're not these, they're not criminals. They've just made mistakes, a lot of them, and something to, otherwise what's, you kind of go, well, what's the point of trying to change? If you just, I'm just going to get fucked again. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and there's, there, so there is a huge amount of that, definitely. You know, when I when I first got sent down, I thought, okay, right, well, you know, I've gone, I when I fucked up, I had a mental breakdown, I went through therapy, I got my shit together, I got a minimum wage job to bring some money in, I retrained, got my shit together, got married, started trying for a baby. And in terms of kind of being a better person and making sure I would never be that person again, I ticked all my boxes. And then I went to prison. So I, I did have that knee-jerk reaction of, fuck you, fuck this system, this is mm. ridiculous. What more do you want from me? It was very much that. Um, but, you know, ultimately, I didn't pay back all the money. And there had to be a consequence of that action. And that was for me to go to prison. Because that is the right thing to do. Mm. If you break the law, you pay the price, um, whether it's financial yeah. or whether it's in time. Um, so once I'd got over my woe is me, and it, it was woe is me, you know, why has this happened? Yeah. Well, it's happened because you completely bollocksed it. Um, mm. You know, you didn't pay uh, the money back. So yeah, yeah. no, absolutely. You know, I, I chose to make those decisions. And then when the shit hit the fan and there was no money, it, it's an impossible feat, really. Um, you know, after the business went under and I started earning again, it doesn't matter if I earn 30 grand, 40 grand, 50 grand, I'm never going to be able to pay that money back. It's just no. untenable, um, which is frustrating for all involved, I think. But, you know, if there was a magic wand and I went, there you go, guys, it's sorted. No. Um, yes, absolutely. If I win the lottery tomorrow, they can have it 10 times over. But as no. it stands, you know, it's just me making what I make to pay the bills and live <laughs> yeah yeah know, yeah there's no ostentatious yeah. there's no kind of no. um and i suppose that was always a, a thing that i sat with as well when when the business went under which was you don't see me jet setting i haven't bought a new car i'm not living you know the life of the rich and famous it, all of the money i defrauded went into a terrible terrible business enterprise you know it wasn't well yeah you know there was there wasn't really any luxury or financial motivations in that aspect it was just to prolong the inevitable um you know yeah. it, was, it was crazy shit like i had one bakery it wasn't doing very well so i took on this huge investment and then took out another bakery i mean absolute insanity wow. um yeah. you know another bakery meant another member of staff which meant more product it just the overheads went up and up and up and all of that money just gone gone yeah. um but i thought you know another presence will actually make the brand more credible will make people <laughs> yeah you got caught you, up in it oh madness oh, madness it's um you know it's a joke but i think about you know the investors they sent me beautiful flowers on the opening of the second bakery yeah, and man. things like that you know i just think they were good people um mm. yeah but you know yeah they lost their dream shame. yeah but you know i think i suppose within the journey they lost their dream, but so did I. It's it's mm. a tricky one. You know, it was it was my baby. It was my, this is going to be amazing. Um, yeah. And it was bloody hard work, <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. You know, aside from being the baker, I, I just, it was too much, way too much. No, an impossible feat for one person. Um, yeah, it looks like, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Mess. <laughs> Absolute. Anyone on the outside looking in, I hope uh, if anyone ever comes a cropper and sees someone spinning out of control, they'll immediately step in and say, whoa, 
what are you doing? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Let's hope so. I hope so. <laughs> yeah. But then, yeah, like you say, that, that might happen, but then you ignore it. You kind of go, no, no, I'm fine. I'm doing, yeah. I'll, I'll deal with it. And then the people just stop in the end. They kind of go, well, I can't talk to you. So yeah, I'm yeah. out. No, you don't have quite. to deal with this. And then you end up where you ended up. So <laughs> yeah. where can we find, where can we find the website? If anyone's listening and needs some help, yes, where can they find your, your website? Okay, so it is www.cominghomeproject.co.uk and all of the social media handles, that's Instagram, Twitter and Facebook are at Coming Home Manchester MCR. Okay, lovely. There we are. It's been a pleasure to talk to you, Francesca. Thanks for coming on. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Honestly, it's been no, it's been great. It's, rich. No, it's been yeah, it's, it's <laughs> yeah, it's um, it's it's, it's interesting to talk to someone. But to, I like this is the thing with this podcast. It's it's yes, mental health is the jumping off point. But it is you know people listening to the conversation and they might go, oh yeah, that's I can relate to that, and it helps them. Mm. And so that's why I we do so. it. So and yeah. and hopefully, you know, people that are in prison but now you know are coming out and now they need. Hopefully, they'll there's hope for them. You know, they're not all pieces of shit. They're all the decent human beings that fucked up. A hundred percent. Hey, listen, you know, you, you, you dropped me a Twitter message and you researched how I was and it, it didn't make you think no way. Um, so thanks no. for that. No. First and foremost. No, but, that's all right. Um, <laughs> it was, you know what, it was, there was a moment when I went, Oh fuck. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Needed no. a moment to process, you know, and it, but then you go, no, I, listen, don't just, just, I want to have a chat with you. I want to find out more. Yeah. And that's what we did. And it's Case been a great point. chat. Case Thank you, point. Francesca. You're welcome. All right. Thanks for talking. Insane in the membrane. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Made by darkhorsedigital.co.uk Shooting, live streaming and podcast production.